All right, welcome. Episode three, The Road, The Stage. This is the trifecta. Is that what they call of it? episodes, I think so. Peter Michaels. Patrick Bateman. Um, we, we just said each other's names for those of you <laughs> listening. Not watching on the Bose Barn Stage YouTube channel, by the way. Go subscribe. Don't just watch it, subscribe. So it's 2021. We've got a band now that we actually haven't had at Bose yet, but we almost got them at Bose. So damn close. Their show at Bose got canceled uh, just a few days um, before it happened because of the pandemic. In fact, what we'll find out is that they were on tour, played their first show in Winnipeg before when they went on stage on this big show opening for the tour, uh, learned that it was going to be the only show on tour. So, This is a band that uh, Red Deer fans will connect with big time. When the time comes. When the time comes. Tarek from the Blue Stones. So going back a year, uh, I don't know if you if you remember some of the shows that you guys had booked that ended up getting uh, canceled because of the pandemic, but you guys were actually supposed to play Bose Barn Stage here in Red Deer on, I think it was March 19th. Yeah. So like yeah. about a week, shy of a week before yeah. everything kind of... Exactly a week after the NHL shutdown, which was March 12th, I think. I might be mistaken. It, yeah, we played Winnipeg March 12th. So Winnipeg was yeah. the end of the road for you guys. Yeah. And the then same. we were going to play, we were supposed to move onwards to Calgary, I'm pretty sure. Um, but obviously that all got canceled. So we had to we had to come home like on the 13th. So Tark, you and I actually talked on the phone in December of 2019. Okay. Um, because you had just announced your your show here in Red Deer, which would have been your first time in Red Deer. And right. then you and I also spoke again the morning of March 20th, which would have been uh, a very hungover morning for Red Deerians after the the, the, the <laughs> morning after your show. Um, of course. And uh, I'm I'm just I'm kind of feeling like we're never ever going to get to see the Blue Stones here. <laughs> Man, I. It's, I don't think that's true, but it's hard to say anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys hadn't played Red Deer before. Is there anything that goes into, you know, as you're kind of getting ready to go on the tour, uh, do you do any, like, investigating into cities that you're going to go into that you haven't played before? Was there any Red Deer pre-planning? Yeah, usually we, we do. We do something like, you know, we'll do, like, a, a good coffee shop search. Like, usually, so how it works is, like, you have your hotel or your Airbnb and you do a, a coffee search in the vicinity of where the address for your hotel or Airbnb are. And then from there, you find like the little craft coffee spots and you can usually find other cool places around where the craft coffee spots are. So usually if you can find a solid coffee shop, then you know that there's other cool places around that area that probably are to our liking. Or we look for just like really good restaurants and we just kind of go from there. That's pretty good insight on the coffee stuff. I'm actually. like, that was very well thought out. That's beautiful. Well, yeah, think about it. If, you know, like that's kind of like a, if we want to still use the term hipster, it's like a hipster central. <laughs> so you can always assume there's some cool stuff around it. Uh, do you do you get time off? Because I know I've, you know, talked to a lot of musicians on tour and you kind of think, oh man, it's great. You get to be in all these cities. But a lot of the time you don't really get to investigate those cities a whole bunch when you're in them, right? You're in, you play, you're back in the van and you're gone. For the most part, that's how it is. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely times, um, however infrequent, that we get to do like a city tour or just kind of actually relax for a day or two in the place that we're going to play. But yeah, it's it's very rare that after we play a show in a city that we will stay there. Usually it's like get to where you're going next is the most important thing. And you know, tour life is basically show after show after show. So you're almost always getting into where you're going. Can I ask about that that tour that got canceled where you yeah. started the tour in Winnipeg? Uh, as I remember you telling me, you found out, I think Mute Choir was on stage when your manager called you or it was around then where you yeah. found out that the tour, that was the only show of the tour. Um, yeah, yeah. Was like, how were you traveling on that on that trip? That was in like a modified um, van, but like a, it was like a transport van, like a very large van that had like a living quarters inside of it. Okay. You know, there was like a table and a couch and a TV and like bunks. It sounds like um, luxury. Yeah. It was like a touring van, just short of what a bus is, you know what I mean? Okay. So, um, but it was one of those things where it's like just small enough that you're able to drive it without a special license. 
Oh, so that's why we rented it. Right. Cause then we were driving ourselves um, and we were pulling a trailer, but we had the luxuries of a couch and a little countertop. <laughs> and was that like the most luxurious you've toured before as brief as it was? Yeah, I mean, there was a, a short stint that we did with a band called Welshley Arms from the States in Europe. Um, and we were on their tour bus, and that was kind of nice. Okay. That really gave us a taste for the uh, the tour bus life. And then it was cut cut short, cut pretty cut premature short. here in Canada. Cut short. And how often had you guys been to Western Canada before? Because I'm curious about the differences in touring. Like, as you guys are getting going in Ontario, everything's so packed in and close together, right? Like, you've got a couple-hour drives between some major centers where you get out west here, and, you know, <laughs> the drive from Winnipeg to Calgary ain't yes. a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I think this was maybe the second time that we had ever been out west. oh no that's not true that was the third time that we've been out west um yeah it, it's definitely you know in ontario it is a little closer together where you can hit major cities if you want to call them that within two to three hours um sometimes less but yeah when you get out west you're reminded of how big our country is and also like how flat it can be mm, yep you know like through alberta through like even parts of like Manitoba, um, it's it can be insanely flat, you know, Saskatchewan. Like I, I remember just kind of like, Justin and I would play this game where we would pick a point that was in the distance, whether it's like a radio tower or you know, some kind of power line. And we would time how long it took us to get to that thing. And I remember seeing something in the distance and not getting there for an hour. That's how flat it was. <laughs> Yeah, there's a few yeah. old quotes about that, I think. Watching your dog run away. And how long into a journey does it take you guys to get those games going? Like, how long are you on the road for before you're bored enough to go, let's pick that spot and see how long it takes to get <laughs> Like 45 minutes. <laughs> 45 minutes. The music is worn off. And we're like, okay, what are we doing now? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to insult the prairies, but as someone who grew up in the GTA and did move out to Alberta uh, in, in a car, uh, it was a, a huge shock when you got past Winnipeg, just a couple hours past Winnipeg, when you're like, okay, I, I think I could probably just keep going until I get to where I, I need to be because yeah. there's not too much to see on this uh, 12 hours or whatever. Pete knows what I'm talking about. He just did that last time. Actually, I just moved my son out to London. And I'm born and raised in the prairie, so I'm very used to it. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, I moved my son out to London last summer and we, we drove nice. him out there and, uh, nice. yeah, that's, it's a nice drive. Like, I mean, there's definitely some amazing parts of that drive. Um, but yeah, it can get very long, very long and drawn out at times. But again, back to that point of how often do you get to stop and see some of the things like, I, I remember going past Thunder Bay, right? The Terry Fox museum yeah. is there and that's pretty cool. But we were kind of in a hurry to get where we were going and you just, oh, that's cool. And you just drive past it. Exactly. Yeah. You can't spend that much time, you know, but when we do, we really cherish it. And, and it's really like rejuvenating to do so, especially you just get like a, some bearings, you know, like you're moving from one place to the next. It's nice to stay in a city for like 24 hours versus 12. Right. And as a two piece band, did, do you travel with other guys? Do you have like a sound guy that comes with you? How many, how many people do you travel yeah. with? For the longest time, it was only me and Justin in our gear. But then as the project started to grow, then, uh, yeah, the first person we added to our touring crew was a sound guy. Um, and then after that, we expanded it even further to have, uh, like, a photographer merch person and then also a, like, a lighting person on that last run, as well as the sound person who doubled as a tour manager. So now we're talking about three extra guys plus us two, so five uh, five-person touring party but yeah. still no no extra touring musician no no wow do it ourselves <laughs> yeah I, I did like will that change with the with the, some of the music off hidden gems you guys still planning on doing that as a duo well yeah um i don't really see the need to add touring musicians only because we're able to accomplish what we do in studio in a different way live um, Justin has like a good quote where he's like, we just cover our own music, which is pretty much what we're doing. Like we're mm -hmm. taking songs off the album and covering them in a way that suits our duo presence live. And it just provides like a different experience for people. You know, in our minds, we're kind of like, we want people to be like, oh, I love their album and I love their live show in a whole completely other way, you know, a whole complete different way. Um, I hope to find yeah, out something. I mean, that's, 
that's that's why we don't really feel the need to add anybody. It's not like we're against the idea, but we just don't really have any plans to do it. If we were to put you on the spot and you had to, you had to become a trio, are you going to add a keyboard player or a bass player? Keyboard. Well, kind of tackle both things. Immediate, yeah. I mean, it's 2021. Keyboards can do some unbelievable things these days. Um, I think keyboard would be the most, like the jack of all trades pick. Now, would you say there was a higher emphasis on that sound uh, coming into Hidden Gems? Because it's, I hate to say that it's a departure, but there's definitely a little bit of a different style on Hidden Gems, which is great. And oh, yeah. it seems like there is a little yeah. bit more um, a synth heaviness to it. Is that uh, just trying to yeah. go in a different direction or how did that come into play? I mean, I think the addition of, you know, I've always played piano myself. I'm not really classically trained or anything like that, but I can play it. Um, and usually when I write too, like I like to add piano parts in there as well. So you take that plus you add, you know, Paul Meany, who is just by trade an unbelievable keyboardist, you know, and pianist and has this like deep knowledge into synths. Um, and I think that's probably why there's a little bit more of a presence there is because the producer we were working with, um, you know, is typically very synth and keyboard heavy. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's not like we really put an emphasis on like, oh, well, let's make sure we add keyboards to this one. It just sort of happened to finish the song in the best way. I love it, man. I've been listening to that album quite a bit. And, um, I mean, we may as well talk about it. Like LA Afterlife is, I, I may have played that 40 times in the last <laughs> week. Cool. I love that song so, so much. I, I, it's like yeah. a visual experience every time I listen to it. I'm glad you, I just went, you. I'm, curious, I'm curious what the visuals are. Well, I just went through, I did a massive Tarantino binge a, uh, yeah. a few weeks ago, and there's definitely some aspects of that song that I think would work well. But I did see a YouTube comment. I wish I, I'd grabbed the name, but someone um on the track on your youtube channel had written something about like imagine you know just walking down the street with this song blasting in your ears and yeah i can't say i disagree so yeah I, i'm glad you have that picture i mean tarantino for sure um that sort of bonnie and clyde mm. kind of vibe like i i always picture for whatever reason i picture like you know the uh, the desert in nevada yeah okay you know, interesting that's just what i picture even though the song is you know, LA, but it's just funny that I picture like a desert. Now with that um, song, were there like, were you sampling things or did you guys, is the whole soundscape, what you guys were working on in the studio with, with Paul Meany? Well, see that there's a funny story behind LA afterlife and that's that the, so there is a sample there's, there's horns, you know, yep. those are sampled. Um, I unfortunately don't play the trumpet, uh, but that song the actual like bass track that you're hearing when we were in Europe on our like 2019 tour, um, just before the release or before the eventual release of hidden gems, I suppose. So December or November, 2019, we were in Europe, we were playing Brussels and Justin and I were sound checking in this amazing little venue. And it, the sound was so awesome in this room. Like for whatever reason, the way it was built was so amazing. Um, and it just sounded so good that I just threw my voice recorder on my phone on top of my guitar amp, like just behind the speaker. And it captured like the sound check. And part of the sound check was the riff to LA Afterlife. And Justin kind of like jumps in when he feels ready. And we started to do this like little groove. Well, that was all captured on, on the phone. And what I did after that, when we were driving to the next place is I threw it through GarageBand and I just kind of chopped it up to make a framework of a song. Mm -hmm. So I just took that sample of us practicing and made a song. And then Paul hears it and he's like, how did you record this? Like, what mics did you use? And what, how did you, where was your setup in the room? And I was like, man, that's my iPhone. Like, I just picked that up on my iPhone. So he actually took the track of us rehearsing from my iPhone. And that's in the song that you hear now. Like, that's the backing track. We added a little bit of a guitar layer, a little bit of a thicker drum layer. But like, that's actually just the iPhone recording in there. Crazy. That's just awesome crazy i know like i can't believe it was a mix of like the room and everything that was tuned up properly but yeah it worked out great yeah. i love that song as well i love it and and before we move on from this song that i have listened to <laughs> probably way too much in the last uh few days uh you do you do reference an americano in that song right mm. 
<laughs> okay. All right. So, so we've got some coffee, coffee guys over here. There you go. So yeah, I don't, I practice <laughs> what I preach. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, before we move on, how are we doing? It's all good. No, don't panic. We can see our producers kind of like wanting to jump in, but they're doing not. parkour in the studio, <laughs> and I don't know why. I like, I like this. How how absolutely blown away would you guys be if like a whole camera crew came, came up from behind my screen as well? <laughs> yeah. Artist starts me Makeup. Up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we do we need a few minutes, guys? Do you guys want? All right, so okay. we'll, we'll so just... we've got the the tech team from Bose Barn Stage is uh, is behind our uh, our production here as well. So nice. while we're on an aside, because when we do eventually get you guys here, um, the plan is is we've kind of built this extra studio outside of the venue, not far from the venue, um, but it's got mm -hmm. full recording capabilities. So if you guys are on the road and you want to lay something down, this will be a space that you can come in and do that, oh. create content oh, that you can it? send out. Oh yeah, it's a it's a it's a really That's cool. That's so space. cool, man. There's a giant green screen room if you want to get a little psychedelic. I actually that that brings me back. One of the times we talked, um, I I think we were talking about shaking off the rust, and I don't know if you remember Tark, but I uh, I said for some reason it sounds like a song that would fit in like a '90s Batman movie to me. What? And you had you had a very similar reaction, very similar reaction. Michael Keaton? No, 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 no. Fast forward. You mentioned Val Kilmer. You said that he was an underrated Batman. I think. Um, I was more thinking about George Clooney bat nipples, but I, I stand by it, man. I stand by it. In fact, I, maybe we should chop up some clips from Batman and get shaken off the. If rust you can do like a fan made trailer of a '90s Batman movie with shaken off the rust, man. Oh my god. I'll do whatever I can I can to make that a music video of ours. All right. All right. You're gonna have to we've got a project. We've got a project. You got a couple of skeptics in the room here, I think, be, Patrick. I would love to see that. Yeah. Well, and then and I think uh Pete was listening to an appearance you made on a podcast recently. You were talking about movie movie uh scores. Movie you, scores are pretty big. You're a big Absolutely. fan of you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Any top guys or 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 composers? Um, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, I mean, Hans Zimmer, yeah. I would have to go to almost immediately. Uh, it's funny because I feel like he's like the mainstream choice now, which is kind of funny to say. It is weird, yeah. Um, Ludwig Goransson, unbelievable, man. Yeah. That guy can produce the Can I swear on this? Oh, yes. Yeah, he yeah, can produce the shit out of a song. Um, then like the classics, like John Williams. Um, I'm trying to think of... Oh my God! Who is the spaghetti western guy? Ennio uh, oh. Morricone. Ennio Morricone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's big. Like as far as like, you know, even the vibe that would would be in L.A. Afterlife. I feel like that's yeah. kind of what I was chasing. You know, I was just gonna say, um, can you work? How do you work some of that influence into the music that you guys do? You know, the biggest part of enjoying movie scores is how you can just like visualize with them. You know, mm -hmm. like. I remember when I was even younger, I would just like, I'd listen to movie scores if I was like sitting on the bus or something like that. And you just like paint pictures in your head of like scenes and even listening to songs that you really love, you kind of like attach it to these like movie scenes in your head. And it just helps bring the song to life. So I've always really appreciated movie scores because of like how much they add to the movie. You know, I just watched, um, well, I not just watched, but this past summer, I believe it was, I, I we watched Tenet, you know, and yeah. crazy movie. I, I can't say I, I even understand it still. I've seen it <laughs> twice, but I mean, the score is so amazing. You know, it's just like adds this unbelievable layer to everything that you're watching. So that's why I really appreciate movie scores. And especially when they're like so recognizable, you know, like John Williams, like, come on, like you're going to know when he's composing something, you're going to know when, you know, when Hans Zimmer is composing something because these like huge drops and yeah. they always seem to compose in the D scale for whatever reason. But yeah, yeah, I really enjoy a good movie score. I have a fond memory. I was working an insurance, like an office job outside of Toronto, oh, 10, 11, 12 years ago now. And I remember I had my, you know, Apple or my iPod <laughs> earbuds in listening to the Inception soundtrack in an elevator. I was just in the ele elevator after lunch, going up back up to the office. And there was something about listening to that. I don't know. It was like bringing, it was like uh, infused me with imagination that I haven't felt since I was like, you know, a 10 year old kid. 
Yeah. There's something yeah. beautiful about that. And to that. see it brought to life in the rock and roll world as well. I don't know if you've ever seen Slash always does the Godfather theme. Oh, really? As part of his guitar solo. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you've never, oh, YouTube that. It is absolutely <laughs> amazing. That's pretty yeah. crazy. Uh, how are we doing? We're good? All right. Ba- right back into it. <laughs> like nothing happened. Like nothing happened. Right um, well, I want to go back to uh, you working on that song on the road and, and recording on the iPhone. Would you say you work better or, or maybe are more focus- focused on writing when you're on the road? Or is it something you'd rather do when you're off and at home? I, I definitely would rather do it when I'm home. But the thing is, I do work better under pressure. I, I always find out if I'm, if I'm pressured to do something, I'll, I'm doing my best work. Um, if I'm given all the time in the world, I just won't really get around to it. Um, so I feel like being on the road and writing is nice because you feel like in such a short time, you're kind of under the gun to like, oh, well, you know, we got to put something out. We gotta, it's got to be good. And I feel like I, for whatever reason, I just work better that way. Also, I usually write lyrics like while I'm commuting somewhere. Hmm. Um, just because I feel like I'm listening to music anyway, I'll throw on my own music like say like demo writing, let's say I'll throw on my own demos and I'll kind of like sing melodies to it um, in my head or write down lyrics on my notes app. So that helps while being on the road because I can sit there and actually get through the lyrical part of it um, while we're traveling. Cause I'm just listening to songs and like making up these melodies in my head and then jotting them down on my phone as we're traveling. Crazy. Which another question tied into that, what's more important lyrics or that melody? Melody. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. everybody's got a different answer on that one. But yeah. you're a bit melody. Pete's a big lyrics guy. Like you, you you must have a good memorization. You know what the interesting thing is? The same thing. I could uh, listen to LA Afterlife 80 times in the last two weeks and I wouldn't remember the words. Oh I love lyrics okay. and I do love the storytelling. That's a big part of music for me, is the storytelling. Yeah. Um, but I just retention, yeah, not so much. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, lyrics. Historically, for me, I haven't really put a big focus on lyrics until Paul came into the picture. Um, and he really put an emphasis on being like, it's important that you you really think about what you're saying and the message that you're trying to convey and how you're conveying it. Um, because it takes like a good song to being a great song because of the extra level that net people can now connect to your song in. Um, so yeah, I've had definitely a newfound appreciation for like, lyrical content after recording this album and i'll definitely carry that with me moving forward um but what gets me hooked isn't something cool or badass or or potent that somebody says it's a it's a melody or like a riff or a drum beat that's how i'm hooked to a song i feel the same way and i think that would explain why uh, over the last few years when we would get a new song of yours, you know, usually a couple days before you guys were ready to release it for radio, I would just listen to it over and over again. I really, I really do think you guys, uh, can write a pretty mean hook and, uh, and the riffs. Yeah. Yeah. Some killer riffs. Yeah. Some really, really good riffs for sure. So how important was it for you guys? I mean, through the pandemic, you're not able to tour, but you guys have still been able to crank out some great radio singles and have had some pretty good success uh, chart wise. Um, Was there any fear going into the pandemic? You're like, like, what are we going to do? We can't be out there in front of people all the time. Are we going to get forgotten about quickly or, or how are we going to attack this? Yeah, it's, it's definitely was, was scary. Um, At first we were kind of like, Oh, it's, you know, I felt like everyone sort of treated it like, Remember when like your school would go on strike and you'd have all this time off and you're like, oh, yep. that's kind of cool. Like we're all kind of on recess and there's no responsibilities. Yeah. Um, but then after a while, we're like, oh my God, it's been a while since we've played. And it's also seems like it's going to be a while since we're going to play again until we play again. So that really started to set in. And then you have this scramble of like, how can we maintain our our fan interaction and and how can we still make our mark on the musical scene without being able to tour and play live how are we going to promote this album so yeah a lot of those fears were definitely creeping in um early on and we tried to keep ourselves busy you know i'm not necessarily a person who likes streamed shows uh i just i don't know i have a hard time with them like performing them just because i feel like it's such a neutered version of what like the actual performance would be like, but I've definitely been able to accept now that like, that's just a, that's just a part of the industry now. And that's a part of how artists communicate with their fan base and grow 
in a time where they can't really do anything else. So I started to find a little bit more of an appreciation for the house shows. Well, I will say you, based on our conversation, you know, just over a year ago, I think right off the bat, you guys had a pretty realistic um, uh, expectation of how long this thing was going to last. I mean, you may not have expected it to have lasted uh, as long as it has, but a week after your shows canceled, I remember you saying like, yeah, we're not, you know, we're not eager. We're not, we're not jumping on rescheduling these dates yet. It wasn't yeah. like a see you guys in two weeks kind of thing. Like I think yeah. some people were hoping for. Yeah, there's just something entirely different about this situation, you know, like when it actually started to set in, you're like, yeah, this, this is going to be something we're going to deal with for a very long time. And I still do believe that. Um, I think a lot of music is going to return. We're, we're towards the sooner side of the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still going to take a little while for things to normalize, you know, and I feel like just get used to wearing a mask. I feel like that's just going to be something we do. And I'm fine with that, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely nice to have at least a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel versus, you know, August of 2020, when you're sitting there like, what is going on? Like, I have no idea what's going to happen. You know, it's going to be another year until we even get remotely close to starting to play shows again. So a little bit nicer now. And are you still based in Windsor? Yes. Okay. And Justin's there too? Justin is here. Yeah. Okay. So, and like, how much were you guys able to, like, can you guys jam together? Like, I know Ontario's, I'm not uh-huh. sure exactly Windsor, but have you guys been able to jam together and get into a room? Not entirely. Like, I mean, we did for the live on display um, performance, we did practice that, you know, a few times. We ran through that. Um, and then we did play a drive in show in Toronto to which we, we were able to get to a rehearsal space and work out that show. But yeah, aside from that, we haven't really been able to get together much um, just with everything being so strict, especially here in Ontario, it's very strict. So yeah, we haven't really been able to, to do that. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a long time. I didn't realize you guys did a drive-in show. Was that in Oakville or? Uh, it's Toronto at the City View Drive-In oh, right okay. near Holson Street, I believe, and Cherry Street, I, I think around that area. Very cool. It, was it just you guys or? No, it was us. Uh, well, we we headlined, and then we had um, JJ Wild open up for us. Yeah. And oh man, I feel so bad. I I can't remember. There was also a really really great band that opened um, before JJ Wild. I just names not really coming to my mind right now, but I remember they were solid too. Did you enjoy that experience? Um, yeah, I I mean it was great to actually get up on stage and like set up for a stage show and have lights have a sound tech, you know, it was nice to be in that world, even if for just a moment, um, it was a little weird playing to a bunch of cars. I'll admit, <laughs> you know, they, they cheered by like honking their horns and flashing their high beams and stuff. And sometimes during songs, everybody would like turn their wipers on to like make like almost like a clap. It, it, it's just like, it's unbelievable how people adapt to this shit. Right? Like, so it, it was a little bit weird to get used to, you know, um, but you play the show. You make do. I actually, I, I had watched um, July Talk had done yeah. one of their drive-ins and they actually did a really right. good job of filming that one. And uh, yeah, I think at one point, Leia went out into the crowd and laid on top of one of the cars and, and you know, did a little vocal solo from there. It was, you gotta, you gotta yeah. make the best of it. The visual yeah, of the best. wipers, of coordinated wipers <laughs> is actually like a Pixar movie. I was just, <laughs> I have kids, so I've seen cars a billion times and that's exactly yeah. what I was picturing. There you go. There you go. So not too many drive drive-in shows. Not a, a complete replacement for the real thing. Then this not a complete replacement, but it was it was enough to keep the the appetite for it. You know, um, we were talking about LA Afterlife and the new record. So Hidden Gems came out almost exactly a month ago. Um, was there any like was it always planning? Were you always planning to put it out in Q1 of 2021, or was there any desire to bump it forward, uh, bump it back? Like, how did that work? It, it was actually originally planned to release in July, uh, well, maybe not July, but yeah, July of 2020. Okay. That's when we were thinking about putting that album out. So we were delayed, like, what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six months um, because of the pandemic. So yeah, uh, definitely not our original plan, but eventually in the midst of everything, we just kind of got tired of waiting to release it. And, you know, of course you want... you optimally want to release an album where you can tour it right Mm -hmm. because you release an album you keep the momentum of it going by going on the road and playing the songs for crowds and people you know partaking in this new thing that you've created 
Um, but because you can't do that, it becomes a little bit dangerous for an album to be released and then quickly forgotten, which wasn't something that we wanted to have to deal with. But eventually we realized we just got to put these songs out anyway. You know, I didn't want to sit on them until maybe we went back. So, um, yeah, we, we made the, the decision to actually release it. And I'm happy we did. Uh, yeah, the reaction was good then. It's like you guys, it, it, it was dealt with the way you wanted it to be. To the yeah, extent you know, it could given be. Given the circumstance, absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. And to be honest, it's nice that Hidden Gems is out. And of course, you know, we'll, we'll do a couple of cool things on our social media just to help promote that. But I'm, I'm already thinking about the next thing. So hmm. it's just, we can finally put a stamp on that era, you know? So that is the thing with a lot of bands that have released music during the pandemic is you almost burn that cycle, right? So by the time the touring happens again, uh, do you think fans are going to expect another album before you head out? Or do you think you'll be able to kind of give this one its proper due? I, you know, I think... I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when we return to touring. I don't know if people will be as excited for the songs as they, they would be if we didn't have to wait, but um, hopefully we'll have some new stuff, you know, maybe hidden jams, B-sides ready for people by the time we do hit the road, just to keep that fire going. Um, but if not, it's okay. Cause we've always got other things that we can release, you know, um, hidden yeah, gems. I, guess, I just don't know. I just don't know more, more hidden gems. Yeah, more more hiddener. Hiddener gems. <laughs> hiddener gems. Tucked away gems. So talk a little bit about uh, Windsor and uh, the impact that it had on you guys. I mean, Windsor is such a unique spot uh, in our country yeah. because, I mean, you're so heavily influenced by the U.S. because it's right across the water. Absolutely. Um, what and, impact? And that's, I think, the biggest part about living in Windsor is that, like, we are so close to Detroit and a lot of our entertainment or radio or tv even where we like to go out and go see sports games and concerts we do in detroit and we get from detroit so it does have a huge stamp on us down here um and windsor itself is just like a really great community for arts it's small but it's everyone is supporting each other and lifting each other up and we had such an awesome support system here as a young band coming up where people would come out to the shows and like really propel us forward and, and sort of boost our confidence to the point that we knew we could take this elsewhere. Um, that's all because Windsor scene is just so like loving, you know? Um, and there's just awesome, awesome, hardworking bands here. We're a blue collar city. So I think it's just kind of in our nature that we just work, you know, we hit the grind and it's just something that we're used to doing. So that sort of translates and, and transfers itself into the music as well. Um, and to our ethic when it came to like picking a project like the Blue Stones up off the ground kind of thing. Which has been a project for a lot longer than I think uh, most people understand, yeah. right? Yeah. Everybody thinks like the new band they hear about like was just born uh, last week. <laughs> yeah. You guys like, do you have a, could you say like, do you call yourselves a decade old at this point? I mean, I guess if you consider when we first started playing music together and then, yeah, it was about 10 years ago. Wow. I think we were doing it independently for a while and not really taking it seriously for a while. Um, I don't think we really cracked down on everything until like, you know, 2016. Right. Um, 2016 is when we really started to like end of 2016, beginning of 2017 is, you know, we, we had management and we now had a label and, and we were starting to, to build something at, at the level, which was a little bit more international, you know? And at what point you're a pretty well-educated guy. And uh, so you've got physiotherapy as your background. Yeah. Was there a point, like, when did, when did you figure which career was going to be the one that was going to take off? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, both Justin and I went to university and we were playing music the whole time. And uh, when we got our undergrads, I got an opportunity to go away to England um, to study physiotherapy. And nothing was really happening with the band. Like we were just kind of status quo for a while. So I told him, I was like, you know, I got to take the, the opportunity to go away. So I did. Um, and it wasn't really until the end of my schooling in England that we got hit up by like management and all these opportunities involving like a record label from the US and all this stuff. And it kind of just came out of nowhere. Like we were shocked. We were basically just putting it on the back burner and it just like popped up. So, you know, we, we, we chased after that and 
when I got home, I got my, I got certified just cause I figured I'd finished what I'd started. And then I was like, all right, time to shift focus back onto the blue stones. Crazy. Yeah. So imagine like if you're at a festival, let's say, and there's all the other bands and everybody's kind of milling about uh, behind the stage as they tend to do, uh, are you getting other musicians coming up to you and saying, you know, Derek, I got this, like <laughs> my shoulder just kind of, I don't know if I could do this tonight. Can you, are you, are you giving some free uh, physiotherapy? You know, it's amazing. Like how, when I do tell people I'm a physio immediately, their pain props up and they're like, <laughs> it, it, like, it's like, yeah, I do that. And they're like, Oh, that's so great. Like my neck has been so tight lately. I'm like, I can't do it now, but like <laughs> I can, I guess in the right setting. Um, I definitely don't physio on, on tests for sure. I mean, on the road. I would hope yeah. that would be unfair to withhold that valuable information when you're on the road. Yeah. yeah. But no, you, he's a drummer. And he plays the drums hard, so you know there's there's some trap issues there. So you're not you're not like leading mm-hmm. backstage uh, stretching pre-show stretching sessions with other bands. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> or what if 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 Justin's driving and he slouched a little bit more? Are you like, hey, straighten that back up? <laughs> you know what I'll do is like on on my like Instagram, I'll just like snap a photo of if I see one of the tour members or our crew like slouching and i'll just like you know you can have that draw tool and i'm just kind of draw their back like that and i'll post it i'll post it and tag them and i'll just type posture check and they can see like some postures is horrible man you just you need to like illustrate it for people to understand i think we might it might benefit us actually with this podcast to get like a recording of Tarek somewhere in the background off offset doing a posture check every like 20 minutes or so on the podcast. I'm a lot more cognizant of how I'm yeah. kind of s- sitting here now though. That's... Yeah. I look a lot <laughs> yeah, taller like every already. Every 20 minutes, every 20 minutes, you just have like a little, you know, one of your producers back there hits a little sample and it's like, posture check. <laughs> <laughs> That's just straight now. All right. I'm going to remember that. We might actually use that. So what are some of the differences between touring? Uh, as you mentioned, you guys were overseas. Uh, differences in touring uh, through Canada and North America as opposed to being over in uh, in Europe? Are you guys you know, um, renting, you know, renting in, vehicles? And... In Europe, they they really, they they pamper you a little bit more, for sure. Like, you show up to places and, like, on arrival, there's, like, hot water with an assortment of teas and, like, a meat and cheese board available to you and, like, fresh fruit and they're cooking the meal that they're going to serve to you later. And like, you have lodgings, you know, it's like, it's crazy. They really take care of their touring musicians in Europe. That's the one thing that I noticed for sure. Um, but the one downside is like the conveniences of North America aren't really as present in Europe. So like, if I want to get like, you know, I try not to do this, but if I want to get like a nasty cheeseburger at 2 a.m., mm-hmm it's much easier to do in North America than it is in Europe. Um, so like, there's just certain things about like the convenience in the U S and Canada that, that you miss when you're over there. Um, also I just find like the hotel rooms are bigger in, in Canada and the States than they are in, in Europe. I like that perspective of <clears throat> the difference between North America and Europe. Um, Great question. In one way, being are... easy access to cheeseburgers at two in the morning. Cheese and cheeseburgers, yeah. That's <laughs> obviously what I'm most concerned about. The, you know, the one thing about fans, though, there is a noticeable difference. Um, I remember, like, in let's say, for example, German fans. We would play these shows, and we were playing maybe four or five shows in a row in Germany at this point. And what would happen is, like, you'd finish a song, and everyone would just clap and, and cheer for maybe, like, 15 seconds. So they'd be like, yeah, like clapping this is that. And then dead silent, like absolutely dead silent. And you're up on stage. And I remember just feeling so caught off guard by that. And after a few shows, Justin and I had talked about it. Like, are they not liking what we're doing? Like, are we doing something wrong? Are we offending them in some way maybe? Like, and then we finally asked this very, very nice girl who came up to the merch table. And we were like, you know, why, why do you guys get so quiet so soon? And she explained that it was like, well, after you're done performing a song, we cheer for it. And then everyone is silent waiting on you. Like that's like a respect thing. Like we're just quiet and you can make the next move. It's, it's just out of respect. They stay silent. It's like an orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of like that. Yeah, for sure. 
Whereas, you know, I, I matched that to playing a show in like Buffalo, New York. I'm literally getting like beer cans, like flying by me and like sweaty guys trying to pull me off stage. It's just a different form of respect. It's a different form of love for yeah, sure. And yeah. I love it all the same. I love it all the same. Yeah. I've heard really good things about touring and not just in Europe, but also specifically in Germany. And I like, do you have a theory uh, as to the difference in, in crowd mentality? Do you think, and Canadian bands tend to do well in Germany yeah, yeah. too, right? Yeah, I mean, the Arkells have a decent presence in Germany. Right. Um, Glorious Sons have a good presence in Germany. Uh, I remember one of the festivals we played in Germany, Reaperbahn, we played with Cleopatric, another duo from Ontario. Yeah. So yeah, they, they do have like a liking for Canadian music, Canadian rock music especially. Um, but I, I don't really have a theory. I I guess... Yeah, I, I don't really know. Like they, I guess they just treat their exports or their imports, I guess I should say, with with a lot of respect and and uh, kind of look up to the music that we're making over here. And I'm always proud to be, you know, holding one of the flags for rock and alternative rock here in Canada. I think it's just so cool to do, um, you know, abroad. So yeah, I don't I don't have any theories for you though, guys. That's all right. You don't. I. I don't want to put you on the spot with uh, <laughs> your, your thoughts on life necessarily. It's okay. You can it's think right. about it, and we'll have you back on sometime down yes. the road and get go. that theory yes. all worked out. Interview homework. Um, this is kind. Of, it's kind of a weird. I don't even know if it's a fetish. I would say, but I have. Anyways, this thing with border crossings, and I think it stems from when I was a kid. My parents. We'd go down to the U.S. all the time. My mom would be way over the allowable budget that she can bring back into Canada. So for my shopping dad, trips. Shopping trips. Yeah, yeah. And my dad had panic attacks the whole time. So that's how I grew up. It was just panic attacks. So I just worry about border crossings now. What is it like for a rock band to be hopping from country to country uh, in, in Europe specifically? Do you get looked at? Ex like, uh, not really. Do you get profiled at all? You, you have all your things in check. You know, we... we toured with um like two guys that really took care of it for us as far as like making sure that our inventory was accounted for and written so that they could see it as we crossed each border um some borders were stricter than others i remember going into switzerland was really tough versus going from like germany to let's say i don't know france um but yeah it's uh it, it wasn't too bad it wasn't too bad they didn't really look at us weird Actually, I think we got weirder looks in the States, like crossing Canada, the U.S., than we did at any border in Europe. Have you ever had the vehicle torn apart and gone through and have to put it all back Not together? Not really torn apart, but I remember when we were actually leaving Winnipeg to come back home, it's quicker for us to take the U.S. route to get back to Windsor that way. So we went down from Winnipeg south across the border into, not sure what state that would be. Um, maybe you guys can help me out there. Minnesota? North, North, North Dakota? Dakota? One of the, oh, I don't know. Dakota? No, not Dakota. That's too far left. I anyway. think it'd be Minnesota. Is it? Yeah, I think, I think that makes so. sense. It's funny, I say too far left, and I really just mean <laughs> west. But I'm thinking of a map like in front of me. Um, but yeah, that they took us out of the car, and they asked us questions, and, and you know they were looking at everything. And I remember they asked us this really weird question, and they're like, so you're telling me that not one of you guys has gotten up to some trouble at the border. Are you sure about that? What a question. It's like, what a nice guy. I'm sure about that. Like, are you guys sure about that? That happened. Uh, there was three of us. We were actually heading down uh, for a festival in the States and got to the border. There was three of us guys in a truck, Alberta. And uh, the question was, any DUIs in the truck? And none of us had. Like, no, no. None of you three have gotten a DUI. <laughs> we're like, no, sir. No, there's no... Three Alberta guys in a pickup truck, wow. and there's not one DU. I'm like, what? That, like, that's that absurd. <laughs> yeah, they they asked the question. I remember I, I crossed once from Windsor to Detroit, and it was like five, like myself and four other guys. And I know it sounds really funny, but we were going to the mall. Like that's why we were crossing. So we go to the border, and the guy looks at us, and he's all like, "What are you guys doing?" All crammed up in his car in this like sedan. And we're like, we're going to the mall. And they, he looks like at us like all weird. It's like, you five guys are going to the mall. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> we, we buy things as well. <laughs> you know? And he let you through? He let us through, of course. Are you gonna Do you remember what you bought? <laughs> um, 
Go to no. like some Nike outlet <laughs> store or something. I was young. I, I was young. I was like maybe 19, 20. And I think, I think at that time, like Hollister was still a thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was probably, I probably bought some Hollister stuff. Oh man. Hollister and American you know. Eagle. I look back at myself in shame. It's okay. It's all good. You're wearing it looks like just a generic black sweater now. So you, yeah, you're that, fine. That, I'm a uniform guy now. Um, well, listen, I mean, uh, Pete, is there any, anything else you wanted to bring up from, you know, one, one thing I was going to ask about is, uh, the inspiration for the artwork behind hidden gems. That's actually oh, okay. some of the best artwork I've ever seen. I, I love all the images that have gone along with that. You so mean your next tattoo, maybe or? even a next tattoo. You never know. Oh, wow, wow. Wow. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because we reached out to this guy specifically because we loved his traditional tattoo style of art. Who, who um, is it? His name is Ilwookie. He's okay. on Instagram. Um, reached out and was like, Hey man, absolutely love your art. Would love if you would collaborate with us on our next album. And he was down, you know, immediately we sent him our album. We're like, what kind of thoughts and ideas do you have? Um, we spoke to him about the idea of this character of Grimm, who's the skeleton and the diamond. Um, and he just came up with this really awesome traditional tattoo looking piece. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is so great. It's like, kind of it's grim enough to be on like a rock and roll album but the colors make it like sort of more accessible in a way it's it's he just hit the nail right on the mark um and then also we worked with another guy from indonesia his name was by sequence on on instagram and he again has a very very similar style of art um a little bit of his own unique twist on it but he did all the single cover so the the singles that we've been posting that have art attached to them, it's it's Paz, it's uh, by sequence. So did you guys end up getting that tattoo? From, from no, Ilwookie? No, no, I have not received that tattoo yet. I really want a diamond somewhere. I just don't know where to put it. Would that be weird? Would that just be right weird if, if you both got the same tattoo from your album, your cover art? I think it would be weird. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think it'd be weird. Because they'd be like, wait, you guys do everything together? Um, Well, I mean, I, for one, um, I was watching your YouTube the other day, and you guys have posted a quick video. You'd been asked what concert you'd like to see in VR. And I've been messing around with virtual reality a little bit lately. I think you said Tame Impala. And uh, I think Justin said Guar. If I'm oh. not mistaken. <laughs> I'm with Guar. Which, that having be said, seen Guar before, be I think I'd prefer it in VR. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm like, is there any chance I can just hop in for find a Bluestone show on in VR? So it would be like, so I don't have to wait too much longer yeah. to see you guys here in Red Deer. Uh, well, in, in VR style, yeah, oh, yeah, man, I don't know. I would love to do that if they could figure out a way to make it enjoyable. You know, I'd, I'd definitely be involved in that. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I guess we're just gonna have to wait. All right, I'll wait a little. I'll wait a little bit longer. You a little know, bit longer. One of the reasons why we got the podcast going as well is just the music community in Red Deer is is amazing. And I saw you guys play at the uh, the Field Day Festival in Edmonton, which I think okay. would have been fall of 2019. Yes. Yeah, and I just you yes. guys are exactly the type of band that Red Deer fans are gonna fall in love with, and they're gonna follow you everywhere and you know, be on your every move. It's, it's a great community in here and I cannot wait for you guys to, to be in front of these fans. And Red Deer, I, I, you're making me more excited to go there eventually. Well, if I you're really looking forward to it, if you're happy with, uh, those European spreads, like a green, I can't guarantee you a green room omelet bar or omelet it'll chef, be close. but uh, it'll be pretty close at Bose. <laughs> and I will, I picked up from one of the other podcasts that I listened to that you were on. Uh, I'll make sure there's a bottle of Woodford back there for us. Cause oh, uh, nice. you know we have, well. we have that very much in common. Good. Good. I'm glad both Justin and I will, will really appreciate that. Cool, awesome. man. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time really stoked on your new album and, Oh, um, let's, you want to, you got any plugs? Oh, uh, Patreon. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we obviously the, the where to find us the, the most is probably Instagram. Um, and we just started a Patreon, which I'm really happy about, you know, getting to get really deep with our with our really close fans on Patreon and doing cool things like Zoom hangs. Uh, we have a podcast of our own that we only have for Patreon users. Oh, wow. Cool. And, and um, yeah, we do like little private performances and whatnot. But 
yeah, Patreon, Instagram, and then really anywhere else that you listen to or find music, you can probably find us. So I'll let you, I'll let you do the exploring. The Blue Stones. Tarek, thanks so much, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. Wow. Another unbelievable guest with Juno ties again. I don't know if you've noticed that uh, there's been some good Juno ties. I think they had their tuxes picked out and they're prepared to go to Saskatoon before the Junos in 2020 were canceled. So maybe they'll get their chance another day. I I would be surprised if they didn't. They'll get that chance again for sure. Um, So thanks to Tark for joining us. Make sure you go check out the new Blue Stones record, Hidden Gems. And the Patreon, too. That's yep. another, like, again, just some very cool content coming from these bands. Uh, well worth the uh, the dough. Um, all right. So here's the deal. The Road, the Stage, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Bose Barn Stage on YouTube. Tell your friends. Share. Like. Let us know all the things you love and all the things you hate. I'm open little, to criticism. I like criticism, but maybe a little less on the hate. Okay, fragile. if you got a problem with Pretty me, fragile. then you can tell me. Tell Patrick you hate him. Tell me you love him. The Road, the Stage is produced by Ryan Cooley and Riley Suryin, recorded in Red Deer, Alberta, and in partnership with Bose Bar and Stage, Troubled Monk, and Tourism Red Deer. The Road, the Stage. 